0: Church, aren't you thankful that God's blessed us with such a gifted crew all the way across the board? He continues to grow us, and many of you have gifts and abilities that you're not using today. So today's sermon is going to crack you right in the skull. All right, so just telling you ahead of time, I'm warning you, if you want to leave now, it'd be a good time to leave. If, you have a, if you're saved, which I, that's the only way to have a spiritual gift, is to be saved, and the Holy Spirit gives you a gift to be used Where? You know better now that you've heard me preach for 14 years almost. Does every Christian have at least one spiritual gift? Yes, yes or no. Everybody louder than that. Yes or no. Yes. Where is the spiritual gift to be used first and foremost at the local church? So if you're not using your spiritual gift at a local church, what are you doing? Not just sinning. You're living in sin and disobedience. Disobedience is sin. You can't slice it any other way. And you're going to see this morning. This is the, we're talking about what we call Saint Peter, the Apostle Peter, and some of the other apostles. There's no option B with God. It's always do this now because I have died for you, I have raised Jesus from the dead for you, and you must be saved. And when you're saved, you must follow through believer's baptism. And when you're baptized, you must henceforth, after that, therefore, be taught or learn the things of Christ. And when you're taught those things, You immediately start using at least, you have at least one spiritual gift to use at the local church. You say, well, I'm too busy. And I've told you time and time again, if you're too busy, I hope God lets you get fired from your job. I hope your world falls completely apart so that God can humble you to get you to the place. Because the Bible's very clear, humble yourselves before the Lord, right? This is you doing the work. If you do the Lord, then he will exalt you in due time or due season, the Bible says. You have to do your part. God always does his part, but he's waiting on us many times like Peter and these seven that's traveling together this morning. Uh, Jesus is already raised from the dead. There's already activity that's been happening. Jesus has already appeared to them two times. He's come through the, after the resurrected. He's been resurrected from the grave. He's given them a commission. to. He's breathed the Holy Spirit on them, and he's told them, you have a job to do. And you even know the sermon, right? Today is this breakfast with Jesus. Wouldn't you like to have breakfast with Jesus this morning? Well, you can. I did this morning. I had breakfast with Jesus. I talked with him as I ate my toast and oatmeal. I had conversations with him. And then Wendy never gets up on Sunday mornings, and she interrupted me in my breakfast with Jesus this morning. But together we had breakfast with Jesus, just spending time sitting, drinking coffee with Jesus, eating oatmeal with Jesus. Because if I'm eating it and he's there, am I having it with him? Yeah, 100% of the time. He's there. He's real. He's that real to me, and he's that real, Period. But you can have breakfast with Jesus every day of the week. You can now have breakfast for supper. I don't know if you know that or not. With Jesus. Everything you do as unto the Lord. So watch this. Here he is. We're going to jump into chapter 21. We're almost ready to close the book of John. And Wendy asked me this morning, will we finish John today? And I'm like, not today. But uh, it's, it's like I'm losing something very valuable to me. that uh, we're le- I don't want to get out of the chapter of the book. But we know God wants us to move on. As I share this good news, and there's some bad news in this as well, I don't know if you know him or not, I, and most of you didn't know him, I met him a couple of times, former pastor here, young man, Jason Willis, uh, that was a pastor before me, has just recently passed away, I think this week, so that's news I got this morning, and if you knew him, um, I understand he had a battle with cancer, uh, so just uh, just pray for his family, and, and I know he had children, so just to keep that in mind this morning, it, we never know, he was younger than me, and... Shocking. I was shocked when I heard the news this morning, but I just want to pass it on to older Town Creek. Folks would know who he is, and so uh, if you didn't know him, just pray for the family. Jason Willis is the family. All right. Well, let's take our Bibles, turn to John chapter 21, and we know that many of us are dealing with some of these things. Some of these things are follow the leader. Some of these things are plain disobedience, and some of it is, well, I'm on the outs with God, and how do I get back in? And so we're going to see some of that this morning. Chapter 21. Beginning of verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. John's telling us, he's giving us an account. Simon Peter, verse 2. Thomas, called the twin, or Didymus, your Bible might say. Nathanael of Canaan in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. How many is that? Count them real quick in your Bible. How many is that? Seven. How many are left on the planet to carry on the Great Commission? Eleven, because Judas has hanged himself. So now we have eleven disciples. Where are the others? There's only seven here in the boats. On the boat, maybe there wasn't room in the boat. Maybe they were like me and say, "Hey, Matthew lived by near Galilee, so he's like, hey, I get seasick. Y'all go ahead and I ain't doing that fishing thing." Because watch what happens. Peter makes a decision, and Peter pretty much was the spokesperson for the group. So they're all there in the boat together. Verse three. Simon Peter said to them, "I am going fishing." And they said to him, we are going with you also. So what they do? They went out immediately, got into the boat, and that night they caught absolutely nothing. Now, before we keep reading, I know uh, this commentary as we read. But they're not just going fishing with the rod and reels. This is, you have to fish at night on the Sea of Galilee. You actually throw the net, pull the net and the fish. You separate the fish, and then you have to mend the nets in the mornings, and then you sleep sometimes during the day after you've done your work. So this is not just a going up to Lake Murray to go fishing or, or Clarks Hill to go fishing or Strom Thurmond, whatever you want to call it. This is not a fishing expedition. This is I'm leaving the ministry because we don't know what's going on, and I'm going back to what I know to do. I'm going back fishing. And these other men that are here, except for Nathaniel, we don't have a 100% knowledge on him, they were fishermen as well, sons of Zebedee, remember them? We'll read a little about about them. They were fishermen. They had a fishing business. So Peter's very clear. Get in your mind. Peter's still not restored with Jesus Christ yet. Remember last thing, Peter, he's received the Holy Spirit. God's forgiven him, but he's not restored because you ever done something wrong to somebody? And every time you see that somebody, you're like, man, I need to say something. I need to do something. Even though the person said, no problem, we're good, you know you're not good, but they might be. You ever been that way? Family member, friend, you've done them wrong. You owe them that $25 $25 of gas money from 1972, or whatever it is, you know, you did something that you're on the outs of, and they said, Don't worry about it. But every time you think about it, you, it just eats you alive that you've got to make it right. Why would you wait another day? Matter of fact, during this sermon, get up, go call the person and call them. They might be in church too, but make it right today. Why would you let something eat you like that? Here's Peter. If John just closed us in chapter 20, we go, Okay, did God just like let Peter get away from this sin? But John, as Paul Harvey used to say, if y'all know them, the older ones that are old enough to know, what is it called? The rest of the story, right? John's going to tell you just a little bit more, not the whole, all of it, but the rest of the story. So here he is. He's going fishing, and this professional fisherman caught what? Nothing. Verse 4. But when morning had come, now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, young lads, boys, Men, have you any food? Your translation might say, fish. And the answer is, if they caught nothing, the answer is, <laughs> no. Right? It's not no, it's no. Imagine the frustration, it's building, right? Chapter 5, verse 5, we're at frustration level 101. Peter is the leader of this. Peter is the one also who denied Christ, as y'all talked about in the Catholics this morning. We look back and we even cheated and looked a little bit forward. Peter denied Jesus how many times? How many times will he be forgiven? You'll see at least three times or more, right? Seventy times seven, because Peter's going to do a whole lot more stupid things in the future, and stupids in the Bible. He'll do a whole lot more stupid things he has to be forgiven for, because he's a man who is a sinner, but he's forgiven. Here we go. So, Verse 6, And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find fish, or find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Peter, Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land. The Bible says this, about 200 cubits dragging the net with fish. And Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which... You have just caught, Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land, full of the large fish, 153, and although there were not so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, come and eat what, church? Come to breakfast with me. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. Now, this is the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Let's pray together. Father God, would you bless the reading of your word today that we might actually understand, not just a story from the Bible. But Father, there's something in this for us today that we must take away. It's not always easy, but it is a takeaway nonetheless for us to live this out in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray for our sake. Amen. Well, look at your notes if you would, if you have the notes today. Jesus visited with his disciples multiple times prior to his final ascension. Into heaven, and this is from day eight. Because if you go back to chapter twenty, verse uh, verse twenty-six, after eight days, his disciples were again inside. So he appeared. That's when Thomas got to see him, and Thomas says, "I won't believe unless he unless I touch the the scars and see the hole." Uh, So that was at least the second time that Jesus appeared. Here is a third appearance, and that we have recorded for us by John, and and of course the Holy Spirit is leading him to do this. Look at your nose. Jesus cares for his own deeply with a love we cannot fully comprehend. Do you understand the love of Christ? I don't understand it because we use the word love so flippantly. We say, I love pizza or I love a good steak or I love grandma or I love mama. We always have these loves we stick in front of it, and we don't really mean it the same. If you love your grandma the same as you love pizza, something's wrong, right? Would you agree? So our word, we don't have enough broadness in the words. We have to use adjectives and adverbs and we explain and we, 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 we want to tell you how much we love and here we don't fully comprehend God's love because what would you and I do if you gave a specific instruction to your students or to your children to your grandkids and they willfully disobeyed you. did just the opposite. We even know God if we read the book of Jonah. What happens? Go to Nineveh. I'm not going to Nineveh. Oh, you're going to Nineveh. Right? <laughs> By way of a big old fish and a little bit of fish throw up. You're going to Nineveh. So look and see what happens. Watch. I put this in there for us to understand. Jesus loves me. This I know. Say it with me, church. For the Bible tells me so. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world. Say it with me. That he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have what? everlasting life. This is true for anyone in the world, not just a select number of people, not just a group of people. This is for anyone in the world, that's us, not the planet, it's anyone in the world who will trust him, take him at his word of what he says, and that's why we take the word of God. We trust what Jesus says. Well, look at this. You've seen this in the word, verses one through three, first part of three. Peter led a group of seven disciples to go back fishing at the sea of, isn't this amazing? It's called the Sea of Tiberias here named after the Roman governor, or, or Caesar, uh, so it's named for him. This is They're using a Gentile name for the sea. What did the Jews call it? The Sea of what? Galilee, same name. But they now have gone back to their old ways, and even John, when he reports, he calls Simon, Simon. Start looking at all the things, and there was a, a man who trained jet fighter pilots, and the, He said that your seat can only take 90 minutes in the seat, and you can only 90 minutes of training at a time in a seat. And also, we live in what's called a shadow behavior, if you're not careful. If you're very strong and you're very outgoing, sometimes when fear takes over your life, you can turn into the, most, the biggest coward, and you're afraid of everything. You live in the shadows of who you are. Same thing spiritually when we give our heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ. You might be an introverted person or an extrovert, but what happens is if you're not careful, you let the world creep in on your emotions, in on your spirit, and then what do you become? You can become someone who's fearful. Let me show you about that spiritual gift I talked about. If you're gifted by God, and there are the gifts of teaching, you might not be a teacher, but if you're gifted to teach in the Word of God, in the, in the church of God, He's given you that one spiritual gift. If you don't teach like He's told you to teach, You'll be the biggest critic of anyone who teaches. You'll skip every teaching opportunity there is. You'll have to come to church because you've got to show your face to keep the tabs up. But you won't go to Bible study. You won't go to Catalyst. You won't go to Intentional Discipleship. You won't go to anything because you know better than everybody that's ever taught. You know better than them. I have a man that actually tells me he, he won't even sit under the teaching here at Town Creek because no man's going to tell him about God. I said, well, that makes you the expert, doesn't it? If you don't want anybody to teach you anything, that means you know everything. You might as well go ahead and ascend to heaven with Jesus. All of us learn from each other. Richard Bragg is outside my office, and sometimes I don't get to go. If my class isn't open, I sneak out, and Richard, I listen around the corner. That's where I get all my good notes from is from Richard's class. He makes my lesson better than, uh, than we get to write it. Even when I have typos like I do today, Richard forgives me. He don't bring up well, the pastor typed this wrong, but he just, he just goes on plowing. Because he does his own study. And I learn from Richard each morning. I used to learn from Bernard. and, and I, I, Not that I don't learn from him now, but I don't get to sit under his teaching as much. And So that the diversity of teaching, the Bible calls us to this. If you're gifted in hospitality, you'll never welcome a soul at church. You won't, you won't, you won't offer food. You won't do anything. Look at those donuts. They're probably a day old. Look at that coffee. Coffee tastes like dirt. You'll complain about every single thing on the planet if you're living in sin, if you're living in that shadow behavior. And here's Peter and these seven guys, or no, well, six guys, they're living, going back to fishing. Well, Jesus! Did Jesus command them to be fishers of men? They were already called away from that career, and here they are back in that career. Why? Everybody says, well, today we'll say, well, God can use me wherever I'm planted. That's true. And listen, I'm thankful because there's people in this church who fix my teeth. There's people who fix my heart, right? I'm thankful for Christian believers who have other jobs other than being in the ministry full-time, vocational ministry. I'm thankful for that. That's what makes the world go round. But if he's called you to be separated out from that, and he's called you to be a witness for him, which he's called all of us to be, what can we do besides be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ? And if he's called us vocationally, listen, some of us come kicking and screaming, but we still come because he gives us an ultimatum. I want you to see this and look in your notes. We must not forget. We've got to look back. This is the, this is what I was telling you earlier. We must not forget that Jesus had earlier called the disciples to leave fishing for fish and become fishers of men. And that, that's where my, in your first note was where, I put, should have put were they, were. they thought they were good at it. He let a, he let, we're good at fishing. We know we can do that. How do you fish for these men? The Romans are after us. They killed Jesus. He's been resurrected. He's popping in, popping out. Good night. How are we supposed to make a living doing this? I don't have any food at the house. How am I going to have any food? i got to go fishing. That's the only thing I know how to do. Paul writes back later, my God shall do what? Supply all of your need according to his riches. Where? in glory. And so God is not in the habit of letting his people beg for bread. You must come to the place that you trust him fully. Like in that Sea of Galilee, as we look Sea of Tiberias, call it Miracle Lake. It really was a lake in the shape of a harp. In the, in the original Hebrew, they called it the harp lake because it looked like a harp. But listen, I'll it's it's, put a couple of things down. Luke chapter 8, verse 22 through 25, that's where Jesus had calmed the seas. Remember, he, they went out and he said, go to the other side. And they're like, but Lord went to sleep on the back of the boat. And they woke him up, probably the same boat or one of the boats that he was in, Lord, 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 we're going to die because the sea is crazy. And I understand the way the lie of the land is there on the Sea of Galilee. It gets stormy really quick. It comes on you really fast the way it lies in the land down below the mountains there. Warm, warm air, cool air, it gets tumultuous sometimes there. And Jesus, who's in, who made the Sea of Galilee, who, put it, who dug the little hole just right where it was so it would be there. It's the main water source for Jerusalem. That's where it comes down. That, who put it there? Jesus did. Who's in charge of it? Jesus is. And listen, who's in charge of it today? Jesus is. Don't forget that. Don't ever forget that Jesus is in charge of everything. And we know that he calmed the storms. He spoke and said, stop. And it wasn't slosh, 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 stop. When Jesus spoke, think of the, if you've ever been in the Navy, listen, I've been on some sloshy sloshes, right? I wish Jesus had called peace sometimes on the Mediterranean or sometimes in the Atlantic or sometimes in the Caribbean, stop. That's what I was begging. And it stopped. As still as this platform is flat, that's how the Sea of Galilee stopped. The wind stopped. It was immediate. It was immediate. And listen, if, if creation can obey him that quickly, why can't we? We're the chief of his creation. When he tells us to stop, stop sinning, stop worrying, stop doing those things. I've told you in the word, I will provide for you. Stop. Peter's like, but i got to feed my family. We know feed, uh, Peter was married because Jesus healed his mother-in-law. And the scripture tells us that. So there was a family he had to feed. How are you going to provide for them? It wasn't that Jesus was upset with them because they went fishing. Jesus was upset, I believe, in this situation because they had disobeyed him and went back to what they went to do full-time. They went back to start the business back up, to go back in and tell them, hey, Dad. I'm, you know, we followed Jesus the last three years, and, you know, he's, he's died on the cross. He's been resurrected, but it's so hit or miss. We don't know what's going to, we don't know how we're going to put groceries on the table, so we're going to come back fishing. Peter probably got his little boat back out named St. Peter's Vessel, or whatever it's called. He got it back out. This is the same one where Peter walked on the water. John chapter 6, verse 15 through 21, Jesus comes. He tells the, the disciples, go across, go across to the other side. And he stays by the mountain. He prays in the mountain. And during the night, during the sea, they see, they think it's a ghost. And Jesus speaks to them in peace. And he tells them, I'm not a ghost, it's me. They welcome him on board. And before he gets there, Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you and I'll come to you. And what does he do? It's that same sea that Peter jumped out of the boat and took off towards Jesus, walking on water. If you read it out and any other online, they say the myth. Christians believe that this is where Peter walked on water. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, I don't believe it's a myth because the Word of God says so. So Therefore, it is so. I don't have to be convinced that it is. I just trust that God said it. Listen, and therefore, it's true. I just trust it. That's where we got to come to with the Word of God. If we don't fully understand, it, going how could anybody walk on water? Surely there was a sandbar there and he was walking on a sandbar. That's what it was. Or the water, maybe it was cold and it was frozen in a certain spot. We always try to make excuses for what we don't fully understand because God's greater than us. Isaiah says his ways are higher than our ways, says the Lord, right? Is that true? So when Peter walked on water, he had that still walk until his doubt kicked in. He looked at the circumstances that he was in and what happened to him according to John. He began to sink. You and I do the same thing today. When things are going well listen, praise God for all blessings flow. We'll sink with all of our lungs until it seems like something's going on in our life and it will go on. Listen, cancer will happen. Heart disease will happen. We go down the list of all the diseases, they will happen because we live in these bodies that have been broken by sin and it's just a time ticking. Not a bomb necessarily, but it's ticking. So many of y'all are so afraid of a balloon this week that there was something going to happen. And I've had that more conversations this morning. Uh, we've laughed a lot. Alan Smith summed it up the best. He said, what are they worried about a balloon that was made in China for? Aren't all balloons made in China? <laughs> good one, Alan. That was a good one. But can I just tell you this from somebody, and I'll tell you this quickly. It's not a brag, but tell you somebody I've lived on the, I, I was in naval intelligence. I lived, had a top secret clearance, and the things that happened on the news, whatever's reported on your news channel, I don't care what channel you listen to, it is propaganda 101. Please don't watch it. The only thing you're going to watch is probably true. I was joking this morning, more people were reported dead in South Carolina tomorrow because of all the crazy country rednecks shooting at the balloon thinking the 3030 was going to hit it, and all the bullets had to fall somewhere. So if we have reported, that might be true. But don't let things like that stress you out. Some people are thinking this is the end of the world. Well, God bless the Chinese if it's the end of the world, right? Amen? Because where are we going, church? What do we have to worry about? Nothing. We can come to the place and say, listen, this is right, this is wrong. We, we we slice it our opinion all the time, but we have to trust the word of God. He's with us here, and he's with us hereafter forevermore. We must not forget there in Matthew 4, that's where Jesus called his disciples. He called them out. Listen, no longer were you fish for men. You're going to act, I mean, fish for fish. You're going to fish for men. And they were like so excited about it. When they were, as long as they were physically seeing Jesus, they were happy. But as soon as they had to trust him by faith, what happens? They're stressed out. Do you remember last week we talked about when Thomas doubted? And Jesus said, Thomas, you believe because you've seen me, but blessed are those, happy are those who have never seen me. Yet they believe. That's you and that's me today. I've never seen Jesus. And if somebody tells you they've seen Jesus, I got a phone call early this morning, this week, says somebody said uh, God speaks to them audibly. Can I tell you, church, God does not speak to you audibly. It's not God. You're not the chosen one. He's already died on the cross, was buried and rose again. If you disagree with that, you don't know the scriptures. God does not speak audibly to you. You won't hear a voice from God. Some people call it a still small voice, where God uses even our consciences and the Word of God to move you to go do something. You'll hear that. you hear that from the Word of God. Go do this. Go do that. But if you hear an audible voice, you need to go check with your doctor because it's not God. And you haven't seen Jesus. Some of your Catholic friends will see an apparition. They'll see a Virgin Mary appear in the sky and she's bleeding or they'll see some sump pump somewhere that's falling off a of truck and see the Virgin Mary. There'll be an icicle. There's all kind of things reporting of seeing Mary appear, uh, an apparition appear. Listen, it's not true. Mary is just a woman who was a chosen vessel blessed by God to give birth to the Savior of the world and she had to accept him as her Lord and Savior just like you and I do. She was blessed among women, yes. But she does not have a place, special place in heaven. Our Catholic friends teach that, listen, there's one body in heaven of the Lord Jesus, a resurrected body, and they believe that Mary ascended bodily to heaven. They believe Mary's standing there with a body. None of us have bodies in heaven yet. The only ones I have questions about is Elijah and Enoch. I'm not sure what those fellows are doing up there. But anybody that dies goes to heaven. We don't have our bodies yet. He said, then where are we? Haven't been there yet, can't tell you. You're there. Your soul is there, but you don't have a body. So we're not like to have five on everybody in heaven. You don't get your new body until the Lord comes back and he brings the church up. The dead in Christ rise first, and then we who are still alive will join with them in the air. And that's when we get our new bodies. Until then, listen, you got to live in that raggedy thing you got right now, right? We were cars, we were in the 80s, we called it a hoopty, right? An old car somebody ragged in. That's what we're riding in right now. We're riding in a hoopty, right? This is a temporary tent. We are going to die, but our souls go directly to heaven. Listen, glory be to God, one day you'll get that new body. Amen. How old will we be? Who cares? Everybody says we'll be babies in heaven or old people in heaven or you'll be the same age as heaven. The Bible says the only thing we know is you'll be known as you're known. You'll know me and I'll know you. Listen, we'll get along because we're under the fellowship under the banner of Christ, but how old will we be? What does it matter? Amen? Amen. I have a new body in the presence of God. He's with me. I'm with him forever and ever, evermore. It's a good word. Listen, these guys had lost their focus. They'd lost their thinking, and so do we sometimes. Well, the disciples there, they failed at catching men, and they failed at catching fish. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Imagine Jesus standing on the shore, and every time they'd throw the net, he'd tell the fish, move. <laughs> he didn't even have to tell them. he just Move. You ever been fishing, never caught anything? I see Alan back here. Alan took us, when we were kids. I mean, when our kids were little, took us out shrimping. I, I, I went begrudgingly because I love Alan and the, our families, but um, it still bumps in the harbor, right? I don't like, anytime I move, my head moves, I'm getting sick. But that was fun that day. I overrode it because one of the kids was with us. I won't, he'll be, he'll remain unnamed because he's an adult now. When Alan brought in some shrimp and there's silverfish and all kind of mix of things, we drugged the, the net this kid's like, what's wrong with this shrimp? It's got antenna and it's got a head on it. He thought all shrimp come like they do on the plate. And Alan just grabs the fish, I mean the shrimp, and he pops his head. He's like, there, he don't have it anymore. So when you gather the fish, listen, could you imagine going shrimping, and the, and the Lord just telling the shrimp, move. Move. So what we did with these fish. Listen, he was not going, he was bound and determined not to let his disciples catch one fish. Why? Because he had commanded them to stop fishing and be fishers of men. While you're on the water with the boys, you can't be fishing for those lost people on the surf. You can't be on the beach and the water at the same time. And church, listen, I'm telling you the same thing. You can't do what you've always done and still go and be a witness for Jesus Christ. You can't suck out at 5 or 6 o'clock and say, I'm so exhausted. You've got to contact somebody. You've got to love somebody. You've got to be at church. That person to the left or right of you, front and back of you, might be lost. You might be the very person that shares the gospel with them so that they hear it and understand it. They might not understand anything I say. He preaches too fast. He mumbles too much. But you, I understand, and you might be the very person that leads that person to Christ. God bless you if you're doing your work. But listen, always leave time for Jesus and just ask him, Lord Jesus, have breakfast with him tomorrow. What do you want me to do? How do you want me to do? Listen, he will always tell you specifically what to do. He'll never leave you in a lurch. He'll never leave you hanging. And Jesus will meet you like he did with these disciples. He'll meet you right in the middle of your failure. If you're in the middle of a failure today, you're a Christian, you're going, my life is upside down. I thought I had something. I lost everything. Listen, he met these old boys. They were good at fishing. They thought until God commanded the fish to get away. God might command that investment, that big if you're a financial manager, somebody says, Oh, this last one I need, I need this commission off this. If you're a sales of some kind, I need that one last, this will help me get by. Oh, God is like, He'll mm, change their mind. He'll turn them away. We face it all the time as well. Anytime you do anything with a family, with a business, with a ministry, there's always challenges, but God will meet you where it seems like it's failure. And was it failure with God? No, he wanted them not to succeed in fishing because he had told them, he commanded them to be fishers of men. All right, let's continue. Watch this, I'll go quickly. Jesus watched the disciples from shore. He knew their hearts. He knew their failures, yet his compassion for them, it remained. We're, We're the people who give up on people too quick, aren't we? Here's what Jesus waits on, our obedience. He simply waits on your obedience. Will you do what I say to do when I say to do it? And if the answer is no, he's like, okay, then go back out there and fish for nothing again. I'll, I'll wait on you. And he met them in their failure, and then he waited for their obedience. Jesus yelled. That's why I put country in here. He yelled from the shore. He yelled out to the disciples in their failure, do you have any food or do you have any fish? And they were about a football field's length from the shore. So I'm like, it's a long way, but on the water, if you've ever been on the calm water, you can hear voices from the shore. There's one physicist I looked up. He says, he reports that the human voice can travel 10.5 miles and be audible in the perfect acoustic situation on the water. Because if y'all understand radio waves, some of you are in the military like me and you study radio wave propagation or if you're in any kind of television or or, or radio, how sound waves move, but you actually stand when that cool air hits down, especially the Sea of Galilee, how it dips down. So he's standing, he's speaking loudly over a football field, To these guys. We understand a football field or a soccer field. He's, hey, do you have any food? Now, he said food in the New King James. Some translations say fish. I believe it was food. I believe his boys were hungry for bread and fish, what they loved to do, what mama used to cook, and they didn't have any. So they go out fishing, thinking they're going to fish, and then eat, and they caught nothing. So they had to look, they had to acknowledge their failure. They had to say, no, we don't have anything. Jesus calls, verses 5 and 6, Jesus calls his disciples to admit their failure. Jesus will not go forward. He's not going to bless you until you admit your failure. We call that confessing our sins, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So he's not going to act until you act. Do you understand? If you're a Christian today, you have to admit your failure. You have to admit your sins to Jesus. He even says it this way. If you've got something against your brother, what do you have to do? you got to go to them and make it right. If your brother has something against you, what do you have to do? You have to go to them and make it right. It don't seem fair, does it? But, Lord, I didn't do a thing. Go to them and make it right. Because Jesus is all about peace because he's the prince of peace. Sometimes they don't even know they did something wrong. Well, watch this. Once they recognize, I love the word. (laughs) Verse 5, go look and read it with me again. Then Jesus said to them, children, or lads, or boys, or men... Uh, have you any food? And they answered him, what? I just like this. No. No. That's, and the disciples said together, no. I bet if there was any non-leaders, James, John, those guys, Peter's the one that led this expedition. I imagine they yelled a little bit louder, don't you? No! And listen, there's other fishermen on the lake, by the way. They, they're probably pulling stuff in left and right. All those fish Jesus said, get out away from this net. They're swimming right over. Those guys are pulling in nets. This is a fishing business. There are other businessmen out there. And so they potentially heard, do you have any fish? And they had to announce to everybody on the lake. And if the voice of Jesus carried a football field, guess what the voice is going to do that way when they said no? They told that boat no. They told that boat no. Does anybody want to brag that, hey, I, we lost? Hey, we lost today. If you've ever played sports, that's the last thing you want to say. And somebody says, how was the game? You say it was close. Right? We, we don't want to say we lost. We, it, was, it was close. It, it was a good one. It was a battle. Well, who won? They did. That's how we do, isn't it, right? But watch. As soon as they acknowledge their failure, as soon as they said no to Jesus, we did not catch fish, watch what he does. This is awesome about us today. Jesus calls his disciples to admit their failure. Then he blessed them with a, I use this word, super abundant catch of fish. Not just an abundant, a super abundant. That's how he always provides. God always provides to the maximum. Listen, if you trust him, if you follow him, if you do what he says to do. So watch what he does. He He gives them this massive catch of fish. John recognized it was Jesus on the shore. Peter jumped in and he swam ashore. He swam a football field ashore. This is the same Peter who jumped in the boat, out of his boat before, and he walked on water. But here, he's been in sin for a little bit, right? He's been in a little bit of disagreement with God. So instead of walking by faith, he sees Jesus. He wants to get to him because he knows he's got to make it right. He knows he has to be restored by Jesus. So he jumps in. And I can only imagine when his feet hit the water and he sank, that he can only remember that time of doubt. That he we went back to that time that, man, I, was, I used to be this close to Jesus. Every time I spoke, I felt like he spoke to me. And every time we sang songs, I felt close to him. When he broke bread, and we, I felt like I was right there with Jesus, and now jumps in all this water that the uh, Sea of Galilee just reminded him, water potentially up his nose. Hey, Bo, you're swimming on your own now. You're in the Lake of Tiberias, not the Lake of Galilee. You're not back when the original, when listen, when Jesus was with you, you're, you've done some things to put you on the outs with Jesus. And he wanted to get as quick as he could to Jesus. He wasn't fishing naked they had have a loin cloth around they would fish with shorts on like a bathing suit he put his outside outside swimmer on if he was on his, his wear and he, he took off because he wanted to get close quickly to jesus verses 8 and 11 the disciples tugged the full net of fish to shore they counted 153 large fish the bible says jesus did a miracle in their presence yet again same sea of galilee where multiple miracles happened on the sea and around the sea now he's done just one more 153 large fish. This was probably the maximum that net could take because we know the net did not break. Jesus showed them something that they figure 153 fish that are large fish and they're 3 to 5 pounds apiece. How much weight are they pulling in with it being wet nets and the boats? If you ever pulled something wet or dead, if you've been hunting drug a deer, anything you understand like that this is heavy weight trying to pull it in and they're trying to swim the other way to get away. But when they cast the net, when Jesus tells them to cast their net, listen, cast your net on the right side. And you imagine, who is that guy yelling at us? We've been fishing all night. Remember this story? Jesus even did this to Peter earlier. We've been fishing all night, caught nothing, but because you said so. So that had to ring in their mind this is the same sea. Man, that sounds the same. Throw your net on the right side. And then what did Jesus do? Fish. Move, disciples, right side. Fish, right side. Can you imagine what the disciples are thinking? Oh, oh, oh! The right side's better than the left side. These fish know that the right side of the boat's prettier or shinier than the left side. You imagine somebody telling you what to do in your job, your profession, like me trying to tell you how to do something that you're skilled to do, and you go, "Hey, just stay being a pastor. Let me do this, right?" My brother experiences that when I work on cars. I mess up everything. One time he told me that my motor messed up my truck. He said, just take loose whatever you think needs to be loose because we used to take engines out when we were kids with his supervision. So I took everything loose. Remember that Ranger Steve? I took everything apart. He said, what in the world did you take this off for? And once you take this off, man, it's going to take me forever to put this back together. I said, I, you said take apart whatever I thought needed to come off. I broke plastics and wrung off stuff. and But it was, it was ready to be taken out, but it wasn't ready to be put back in afterwards because... Now, I need to stick to just preaching. God didn't give me that gift in the building. Same here. These are professional fishermen. And they're this man, they don't know who it is yet, yelling from the shore. Hey, cast to the right side. Throw over to the right side. Okay. <laughs> Maybe he sees something from the shore, right? They cast. They get this large catch. They count the number. And the number was, listen, every fisherman has to tell you the size of the story, right? John tells you it was 153 Large fish, right? How big were they? Probably like Nile Perch. They're called Saint Peter's fish today. Do y'all know why? Because of the word. That's what these fish are called today, did they call it? Verse nine and ten, Jesus had a fish and bread breakfast cooking on a fire. He invited the disciples to bring some of their catch and place it on the fire. Here's the deal. Two things out of that passage. Jesus still remained, even the resurrected Jesus is still a servant leader. He's showing us how to actually serve one another. I'll get something prepared for you. He showed them hospitality. He showed them mercy. He showed them grace. He loved it so much. He knew they were hungry. He knew their physical needs were, I need some food. He knew their spiritual needs was, I need to be restored. He knew this. And yet he did both. He's restoring them spiritually. But he knows to get to the head and the heart, you got to get sometimes to the stomach. Y'all know that's when we help the homeless. That's when we do different food pantries. There's a, there's a need in your bulletin today. Bring canned foods. We have opportunity to outreach people. We can feed them sometimes. We, they can hear the word. They can physically eat food, and then they can spiritually receive the bread of life. So Jesus is very clear. And he didn't just say, fish be grilled that was coming out of the, out of the ocean, I mean out of the sea, right? The freshwater sea, lake. He didn't just, like, just kill them and cook them. Now, I don't, the ones he had on the fire, he probably went, y'all see that? He didn't have to speak. If Jesus thinks it, it happens, right? Because he's the creator of all things. He didn't sit there and fillet the fish, kill, kill the fish, fillet them. He spoke grilled fish. He spoke bread. He spoke fire. And it happened. You say, well, that sounds too, super, too supernatural. It is. It's the God that we serve. And when he speaks, it's done. When he calms seas, it happens. When he casts out demons, it happens. It's not like, oh, wait a minute. One more torture time, right? One more terror time. When he, cast, when he heals, guess what he does? He heals immediately. You say, well, mine's been a process. Well, okay. So listen, what starts the process? Admitting that, what do we do? Wendy, when she found out she had cancer, what do we have to do? We had to first admit that she has cancer, right? And then we said, Lord, it's on you. What do you want us to do? When I had heart attack, what do we do? Lord, it's on you. What do we do? We have to put everything in his hands and we trust you. Fully trust you. Watch these guys. It's awesome. But he would not let them just have all the fish they wanted to eat. He said, bring some of the fish that you caught and bring them to the fire. You see what had to happen? Jesus ain't going to do everything for you. Sometimes he's going to tell you what to do. Bring the fish you just caught. Now, I made you catch them. I made the fish get in your net, right? But you did the work that I told you to do. Therefore, when you were obedient... Bring those fish in, guess what happens? When you do it God's way, guess what you get? God's results. Those boys had all the fish they could stand, and I believe they had all the bread they could stand as well. So he didn't just invite them to eat his fish and his bread. He said, bring some of the fish you just caught and put on the fire, and they knew how to do that. So Jesus took the bread and the fish, gave it to each of them. Jesus fellowshiped with his disciples. Hey, can I tell you this? There is no better place to be than in his presence. Amen? Eating your food with his people and with him there. Verse 14, this was the third time Jesus had revealed himself to the disciples after God had raised him from the dead. And I put a big note in my notes. We serve a risen Lord. Amen? Amen. Be fishers of men. That's your command. That's my command. I don't have any other thing in life to do besides, first and foremost, bring him glory and be fishers of men. This is the Great Commission, is it not? This is what we're going to have the Lord Supper this morning. By the way, we're having sardines and crackers for the Lord's Supper just in... I'm just kidding. We're not. We're not. I saw the light. We're serving the Lord this morning. It doesn't matter what we... It's bread and it's a cup of juice, right? We're going to come and say, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Every time you do it, you think of what I did for you, and you think of what I'm going to do for you in the future. I'm coming. Right? That new body that Jesus has, you're getting one. So am I. Mine's in the making or processed or wherever it is? I don't know how they... It's like Iron Man, they're waiting on me to get in. I don't know what the deal is, but I know it's there, right? When Jesus makes it happen, it's going to happen. So I can't wait. This is good news. Tough news if you're in the middle of a failure battle right now, right? If you're losing right now, you're like, this doesn't feel good. I'm losing on every corner. It could be Jesus making the fish swim away from your net. It could be something you need to look in the mirror and say, Lord, I'm not talking the mirror that you shave in front of or fix your hair in front of. I'm talking about the mirror of the Word of God. Look at it and say, God, is there something that I need to do to bring it back right with you? Sometimes it's just life. But the Lord's going to see you through no matter what. And he'll show you clearly. Sometimes he'll say, listen, my grace is sufficient. You just got to wait it out. You just got to persevere. Keep on keeping on. Because remember, Jesus didn't just feed those guys from the fish that he made or spoke. He said, bring some of the fish that you have caught. Sometimes you got to do the work for the Lord to actually show himself to you. It's both in. He gave them some free fish, and he said, some of the fish you caught, you got to work for it. So God never ever just spoon feeds us. He didn't have an eternal welfare system. He wants you to work because there's work for us to do. Amen? Amen. Be fishers of men. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for today, and I thank you that you bless us and love us enough, Lord, to give us your word, to show us these stories, and we're thankful that there's men in the Bible who we revere as saints of God that, Lord... They were, they were just awful people at the core when they were just average humans. When they were living according to the flesh, they sinned like we do. Father, I thank you that you show us their good parts and their bads. I'm, I'm thankful that we have role models that say, hey, you can foul up with God. But when you confess that foul up, when you confess that sin, he will cleanse you so deeply inside and provide for you that he'll allow you to walk daily with him if we would only obey you and trust you and love you. Help us, Lord, to listen, and Lord, help us to act in in faith. In Jesus' name we pray, for his sake, amen.